Tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing. Man. And that's remarkable. Alex, I'm going to read one of your old tweets. God, that's never a good way to start off the podcast. It's not that old, and it's not just your tweet. It's our tweet. Okay. Because people can't tell who tweets what, but this one was you. I'm just going to pull the curtain back and reveal. It was Alex Baisley all along. Gabe Kapler is to baseball what Ben Shapiro is to politics. I can't explain this, but it's true. Just because you say you can't explain this, but it's true, doesn't mean I'm not going to ask you to explain it on the podcast. So oh what my the hell? God. Where were you? What were you thinking? Why was this... A thought in your head i feel bad for you <laughs> well i i was watching as one does the the oakland days versus the san francisco giants last I night i thought you were gonna say you were watching the wap music video <laughs> <laughs> i've been exposed to both too much gabe kapler and ben shapiro in the last week which is kind of why my brain just melded these things together but it was a it was a national broadcast um last night on fox yeah and Broadcasters just love them. Some Ben Shapiro. Nope, not Ben Shapiro. <laughs> Baseball broadcasters. <laughs> they probably do. About ben Shapiro. <laughs> they love them some Gabe Kapler. Um, and just the way that they were talking about him, I was kind of like, nothing he has actually done matches up with the way that people speak about him. And it's yeah. the exact same with Ben Shapiro, where everyone's like, you know, he is the new voice of reason on the right. You may not agree with him, but you at least have to respect his um, his intelligence, his way of talking about things. And I'm like, he just talks fast. That's yeah, all he, he does. does talk fast. And, and you're just like, and you assume that means he's smart. I'll give you $1,000 if you do the rest of the podcast as Ben Shapiro. <laughs> In character. I, ref- I refuse. <laughs> All right, ten thousand dollars. <laughs> Just Let's listen to this. Fun this. Listen to this podcast on one and a half speed. That's all you got to do. I already do. It's terrible. I hate it. But that's how I listen to all my pods. So, got to do it to this one too. <laughs> You're absolutely right about Gabe Kapler. He reminds me of Ben Shapiro. Is a good comp too. Very timely comp by you. Nice work. But he reminds me of like a young politician who's like handsome but hasn't really actually done anything else. They just speak well, but they've never actually supported a policy that's actually done anything for anyone. Yes. And so they get this reputation as like, this is the, this is the, this is the person at the front of the democratic bench, you know, or this is the person at the front of the Republican bench. Who's going to moderate the party. And you're just like, okay, I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, exactly. I'll believe that when it's not just journalists going to you for a quote, someone who has like, a dozen skeletons in the closet, but just so happens to like be in the right place at the right time and has made some very powerful friends. And all of a sudden everyone's like, no, but really he's a good guy. And I'm like, all right, well, let's take it down or not. Joe Biden. (laughs) Okay. Before we get too deep into DNC politics and Alex's feelings on voting for Joe Biden versus not voting at all. Let's just get into the rest of our podcast here. Uh, I am Bobby Wagner. I'm Alex Faisley. And you're listening to Tipping Pitches. 
So last week, we started off the show by me joking about Johnny Damon saying that the media wasn't telling the truth about coronavirus. And now Zach Plezak presents an interesting argument to the court, Alex, that the media is not telling the truth about his involvement in some partying during coronavirus. <laughs> What's up, guys? Happy Thursday. Uh, I want to get on here and, and clear the air on some stuff. Kind of voice my opinion, voice um, some raw emotion to you guys and, and get out the truth so that you guys um, can kind of understand what's happening so we can all be on the same page because the media really is is, is terrible, man. The, the media is terrible and they do some evil, evil things to create stories and to make things sound better, uh, makes things sound worse. And truthfully, I'm disgusted the way the media has handled this whole situation um, surrounding our team and this is why, based on my, my feelings, I want to get on here and express the truth to you guys and, and moving forward, kind of the, the learning experience and maybe some things taken away from this whole experience. But yeah, out in Chicago, um, we, we played the White Sox in a day or a couple of days prior to, to leaving for this trip. The MLB came up with these new protocols that required a curfew and, and some other things that would keep us more isolated as, as baseball players and contain us more in, in like a bubble type sense. Um, and after my start, I went out to dinner with some buddies and we ended up going back to his place, same group that we went to dinner with. And we opened up baseball cards, pick our top two dudes from each pack we're throwing. Is there a thread here that we're missing? Is that should we leave open the opportunity, Alex, that we're wrong and the media is <laughs> not telling us the truth about Zach Plezak? <laughs> no, because <laughs> everything that he said in the video that he actually did was what he actually did and what the media portrayed him as doing. So your complaint can't be the media is unfairly reporting what I actually did. His claim seems to be that the CDC guidelines are very nebulous and very strict, and you can't sit in a hotel all day. Like You got to live your life, and look, we were being safe about it anyway. And if that wants to be your take on things, it's wrong, but I get it. I do get it. But to say that you're being unfairly maligned for this is bullshit. Sorry. It's like the meme of the guy smashing the button. The media told you this. The media told you. You know, like, it, he doesn't know what else to say about this. So he's just like, this media circus, this this whirlwind, you could never understand if you weren't a Major League Baseball player. I want to redo the tweet from that we retweeted from, from at Bird's Eye View. <laughs> Zach Plezak. Willingly broke safety rules during a pandemic, put his whole team in jeopardy. Also, Zach Plezak, how dare the media tell people I willingly broke safety rules during a pandemic and put my whole team in jeopardy? That sums it up about as well as either of us can. I want to talk about the video. Yeah. What the hell, dude? So good. So just a delight to log on to Twitter and see people talking about this. See, you had already tweeted about it. I was in an edit or a recording or something like that. And and I see you tweeting about a car apology video, and I'm just like, this is going to be good. The, oh, oh, man. <laughs> this is going to be epic. 
And I log on. Dude's not wearing a seatbelt while driving, while filming himself. Hair, like, kind of looking surfer vibes, you know, which is why I tweeted it from my account that he has big time high school hero from Southern California energy. Wearing Doing a like, car like apology five, video. Like five puka shell neck- necklaces, you know, with like a white V-neck. Yeah, like, like those like, balance necklaces that you wear yeah. when you play like travel baseball. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it just like, it had the same energy as, I'm sorry I got caught up in this Ponzi scheme and got all of my high school friends involved in it too. Just qu- quoting both our tweets on this podcast <laughs> 15 minutes in. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. And he he says that he's being like dragged in the mud for this. And I'm like, my guy, you broke the rules. I know, I'm so- lays I was, down like, in I- the mud. I'm being dragged in the mud for this. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know what to say. Mike Clevenger, I... I know, he's I getting know. off scot-free and all I, this. He's getting off scot-free, and I actually kind of don't know who's his worst. I mean, Zach Plezak made a mistake and then got caught and then, like, lashed out. Mike Clevenger just, like, straight up lied to his team and threw his teammate under the bus and then was like, oh, yeah, but also, I was there, too, so I'm going to leave now. This is Mike Clevenger... They should have went on IG all, Live like, together. Yeah, I know. Mike Clevenger's all like sunshine, sunshine and rainbows, like and hippie, sports. hippie free spirit, like BFF with Trevor Bauer. Like, it's all good, man. Take it easy. Then Zach, please Zach's just like the media's lying to you. Like, <laughs> like real Alex Jones vibes. I was shocked to find out that Zach, please Zach's from Indiana. He doesn't give off Indiana energy at all. Yeah. He really just does give off Southern California energy. Or he gives off like East Coaster who wishes he was born in Southern California in a different era, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I could see Florida. I would have guessed maybe Florida. Yeah. (laughs) I could see him riding around in a lifted truck. (laughs) (laughs) Yelling out the window about the media. Oh, man. What a mess. What a mess. This news comes in the same week that MLB decided that they might try to attempt a playoff bubble this year in order to ensure that the playoffs actually happen. You know, it was too unwieldy for them to try a regular season bubble and keep these people there for the better part of six whole months with thousands of people inside this quote-unquote bubble or two separate bubbles, whatever. But now that the playoffs are going to roll around and the MLB owners want to ensure that they complete the playoffs so they can get the full payment from the TV networks for broadcasting those playoffs, they're like, oh... Um, safety is really important to us during the, the playoffs but the regular season uh, it, it didn't work out so we're going to try the whole bubble thing during the playoffs we saw, what, we saw what the NBA did we like it we definitely never heard the idea of a bubble before all of this let's give it a shot yeah all of a sudden having one team with a coronavirus outbreak each week doesn't uh doesn't work for Major League Baseball. It doesn't work when it's going to actually end up hurting your uh, your bottom line. Yeah, and the team this week, well, the team the last couple of weeks was the St. Louis Cardinals, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. And the team this week was the Reds, you alluded to with Trevor Bauer. You broke our rule of saying Trevor Bauer's name before the 45-minute mark of our podcast. Our rule that I set five minutes before we started recording today. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean... Has there ever been a moment in our lives where MLB was not scrambling to figure out what MLB needed to do? That's just because 
I'm we're now watching the NBA successfully execute this. They're executing the bubble itself, the games, the television experience, the competition, the health of their players, most importantly. And it's it's great. Everybody who's watching the NBA feels good about it. Aside from the people who are like, why is the NBA using 30,000 tests a day? But that's a whole thing. That's a different can of worms than what we're talking about right now. And then the MLB, on the other hand, is like, hey, man, just go out there and just do your thing. We'll figure it out later. And I know I've said this a million times, but like, you can't have a, an okay plan. You can't have a good plan. You have to have a great plan. And MLB has like a subpar plan, being charitable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think that they have just kind of accepted that at this point, you know? And I mean, far be it from me to give MLB any credit for the season at all. But at this point, they at least have acknowledged, they're like, yeah, this season doesn't mean jack shit. So we're just going to like come up with something new each week. It's like a fun little wrinkle, you know? It's fun for the fans to kind of figure out what new rule exists this week. It's fun for the players because you don't know if you're going to be playing a game tomorrow or not. Um, that is fun. Yeah, I think that is a lot of fun. It's fun seeing players find out on pitcher. Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun seeing players find out on Twitter that uh, that their game got canceled. So that's cool. And it's fun for the Cardinals who uh, who are going to average 10.8 innings of baseball per day for the rest of the season. That's, that's like me on MLB The Show. That's sick. That is awesome. I'm sure they and their opponents feel really good about that. They have seven doubleheaders in September. They have like three more this month. Doubleheaders obviously are seven innings now. Once again, you know, new rule. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you can pretend to be any kind of legitimate when you're just changing the length of the games during the midway through the season. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, that I mean, all that goes without saying. We don't need to beat that dead horse. But before we move off the playoff thing entirely, the bubble, which we're not experts on this at all, so we don't need to continue to talk about it forever. I do want to say, I bet you MOB wishes that they didn't make it 16-team playoff this year. Now that they have six more teams that they have to bring into the bubble and keep safely and pay for their accommodations and everything. Yes. Rob's just like, ah, my my chickens came home to roost, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah, this is gonna it's gonna be a it's gonna be a weird October. It's gonna be an absolute uh, circus. But yeah, I I know I know you want to talk about the Cardinals and I do too. So I my thoughts on this are that like that there's no logic that you can possibly twist around to think that this is any kind of fair for the Cardinals. And there are people out there who are doing bad faith arguments saying like they should have thought about this before they went out and got sick. It's like first of all you don't you don't know how that started. It could have been any number of things. Second of all just going out and hanging out at the bar or with your friends or at a club or whatever is not the only way that you could get infected. So this could happen to a team who did everything 100% up to MLB's protocols. And I, I guess like Manfred is sitting in his office, crossing his fingers, hoping that the Cardinals don't like have a World Series shot this year that gets cut short because like they just couldn't make up the games. Or they just got got guys injured because they had to play 10.8 innings per day. But this is another one of those things that qualifies for me. Like, should we continue a season? One of the 30 teams just dropped off. <laughs> like, it's clear that they think, yes, we should continue a season. It's clear from Rob's quote about, 
winning percentage that we talked about last week. And it's clear from the schedule that they've released that they're just like, we're just going to keep going until there's like an internal revolt from one of the teams or and players just refuse to show up or the, the PA decides like we're going to strike or whatever illegally or like fans are just like, no, 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 we're not watching this shit anymore. This is ridiculous. I love the the argument that, you know, this is what they get, right? Like, well, they should have thought about that before they went out. They this is their kind of this is their punishment. This is them kind of paying penance. But I'm like, they got coronavirus. That's a that's a fine enough punishment for me. Yeah. Like they dealt with a coronavirus outbreak on their baseball team. I think they have they have already reaped what they've s- sown. Like regardless, if they sow, if they regardless of how it happened, you know? yes, yeah. It, yeah, exactly. If you want to think that they should be punished for this, which frankly I don't, there are plenty of things you should be punishing teams or people or players for or whatever. And getting COVID probably isn't one of them. But even if you think that, there, that's it. That's the end of it. You were exposed to coronavirus. That shit sucks. Sorry, I don't think you should then continue to put the like the health of both the Cardinals players and the teams that they're playing against at risk because of that. Yeah. Like the baseball health. Yes. Yeah. The, the future of their careers. You know, I keep thinking like, you know, not to doomsday this conversation, but a a lot of players have gotten COVID already from, from this MLB season directly because of this MLB season. Some of them might've gotten it, if they didn't play this season, if they canceled it outright, some of these same players might have done the same stuff, gone out to a club or whatever, or contracted it from however they contracted it in their daily lives. But I think it's undoubtedly true that fewer players in the Major League Baseball's player pool would get sick from coronavirus if there was no season. You, you extend that to its logical conclusion, and you say, okay, well, now we have a lot more players who have gotten it, a ton of players on the Marlins, a ton of players on the Cardinals. We don't know as we talk right now, Alex, about the Reds, who had one confirmed positive yesterday, which is Saturday. And I'm just wondering, like, what's MLB's plan to help these players out? I know I said this last week about the Marlins, but like, you know, I've read a lot about a lot of the college football players who have gotten sick with this. And some of the college football players, like Eduardo Rodriguez, have had additional complications that are not that well reported around what COVID can cause. Whether that be like heart problems, whether that be other internal organ problems, whether that be trouble breathing for long, long winds of time or long, long periods of time and brain fogginess, like all this other stuff that we don't know if this is going to cause long term for people. And MLB is like, yeah, you should actually just subject yourself to that question mark even though we haven't figured this shit out, even though we're still very clearly flying by the seat of our pants, even though we're still shifting our protocols and our plan on the fly, as evidenced by everything we just talked about with the bubble changing plans and, and Cleveland suspending their pitchers like because the protocols with MLB had changed the week before and please, I can Clevenger didn't know about that or they didn't care about that. Like, it's just, it's a moral nightmare. It's an absolute, it's a disaster. Baseball saw football players getting CTE 
for the last couple of decades and was like, oh, we want something like that for our sport. What can we inflict on our players that will have untold long-term damage on their health? Jesus Christ. Very dark. Very dark. Um, do you want to talk about the Reds at all? I don't know. I don't even know what there is to say about that, in part because we don't really know the uh, extent of it. But it is bizarre to me that we have not had a like a day in baseball where every team was playing since what the first week of the season. I, I think, like we said last week or the week before, it's like what teams are going to be this week. Yeah, because there's going to be one team pretty much every week now. That is the trend that we're seeing. And we're also down to the point where it's like in the NL Central, it's just last team standing, I guess, or whichever yeah. team plays the most games to acquire the most wins or plays the fewest games to acquire the least losses. Like if you just happen to have a hot 15 games and that's the only sample that you have for the whole season, do you just make the playoffs? <laughs> Be a winning percentage, the new revolutionary stat. God, I don't know, dude. Um, let's move on. There's a couple other things that I want to talk about before we get a three of three down this week. The first is the 100 year anniversary of the founding of the Negro Leagues, the centennial, which is being celebrated today across the league with everyone wearing a patch, everyone including coaches, players, umpires. And I want to say, first of all, that it's good they're doing something. And it's good that MLB has sort of started to build a stronger relationship with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum and the history of those leagues. And it's good that a lot of players are taking that torch and have taken that torch upon themselves in lieu of when MLB hasn't done a good enough job with it. I will also say, like, it's not a prominent enough conversation around MLB's history. It's just not. The Centennial kind of snuck up without MLB talking much about it. It's here now. And in a year from now, I wonder what the conversation within the mainstream baseball discourse is going to be for the history of the Negro Leagues. When we had Shakia Taylor on during the offseason, she said, I've been looking to see what MLB is going to do for the centennial, and I haven't found very much. And that was just a few months ago. I mean, now they're doing this. They're doing the patch. There's a lot of players who have involvement in getting more knowledge out about the centennial. But I want to know what they're going to do in a year from now. Yeah, well... As we saw with MLB's engagement with, say, Black Lives Matter at the beginning of the season, these things kind of tend to crop up when they are convenient to talk about, you know? Like, it's convenient to have a little hashtag BLM on the mound for the first week, and then once people, once people kind of start, or once people stop paying attention to your engagement with that, then you're like, well, it doesn't matter anymore. We've lost all the, we've lost all the PR uh, lift that that gave us. So, time for Doosan. Yeah, time for some time to advertise some Doosan. Um, the, and and the other element of it is that like baseball is more interested in engaging with the Negro Leagues, like completely decontextualized from its own relationship and contribution to creating the Negro Leagues, to creating a segregated league for black players creating and destroying the negro leagues. yes yes yeah and then pulling players from it and ultimately destroying the negro leagues when once again it was convenient for for them to do that sort of thing 
And that's not a history that we're really ever going to hear and will be acknowledged because like, it doesn't make them look good. Um, but it would also kind of actually make them look good to engage with that sort of history. I, I'm not going to give the Washington football team credit for finally getting rid of a racist name, but like, at least they came out after years and years and years of pressure and then said, fine. Like, yes, it, it doesn't look great to talk about your, uh, your racist history, but it looks worse to not talk about it, you know, to just pretend like it never happened. Yeah. To pretend like it's a body that just existed separate from you. You know, I, I think a lot of people would say that this centennial celebration and I don't want to take away from the joy of it. Like this is a joy. I've, this is a joyous moment for a lot of people, players, and people involved in a, a lot of fans, players, and people involved with the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. You know, I now am producing R two C two, and we put out an episode today with the president of the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum, and he was talking about how it's just going to be an overwhelming day of joy for him to see the patches and see the centennial honored by Major League Baseball on Major League Baseball fields. It it is just a a momentous occasion for the history of our sport, but there's also an element of this where baseball just dips its toes into discourses like this, and like you're saying, doesn't ever actually contextualize the behemoth that is Major League Baseball and the way that its power has been wielded in the United States for for worse in a lot of instances. You know, I was going to say for better or worse, but it's it's in a lot of places just for worse. And so, yeah, I mean, we talked about this when we talked about Black Lives Matter. We said, okay, here's all this reading that you put on your website. Have you done that reading, one? And are you going to apply that text to your action? And I think the question for me here is like, Bob Kendrick, the president of, of Negro League Baseball Museum, on R2C2 yesterday was talking about how the impact of the style of play of the black players that came from the Negro Leagues and revolutionized the way that Major League Baseball was being played, that impact is is gone. It's it's largely gone. And black player percentages have dwindled over the last 20 years. We've talked about this a lot, Alex. And so I think there's more work to be done. Yeah. Well, isn't there, isn't there always the, the last thing that I will say on this is that there, there's a person who is conveniently, um, kind of excluded from this narrative. And that's, uh, and that's Fleetwood Walker, who was the, um, first black player in the major leagues 60 years before Jackie Robinson is in 1884. And he played for the Toledo blue stockings and not only was he the the first player to play in the in what was then the major leagues the first black player to then play in what was then the major leagues he was also the reason that there became this unwritten rule to to not let black players play in the major leagues cap anson who is one of the games like storied figures, the early game storied figures, right? One of the best players of his time refused to play uh, against a team that employed a, a black player. And so there became this unwritten rule in the, uh, in the late 19th century to basically disallow that sort of thing. And so 
there's a reason why baseball maybe doesn't reference uh, Fleet Walker in its discussion about um, black players and its history because that led to 60 years of discrimination that was spearheaded by Major League Baseball itself. And so I think after a certain point, there needs to be some honesty about the the role that it played in that um, in that segregation. And I'd I'd rather see that honest engagement rather than just trying to to ignore the the history because that just does everyone a disservice at the end of the day. Yeah. Well said. Okay, Alex, we are going to take one quick break and when we come back. We're going to talk about one more thing and then three or three down. Alex, it was a massive week for our friend Juan Soto at the plate. He loves to play in City Field, and he loves to play against the Mets. He hit three of the most insane home runs I've ever seen in City Field. All over like 450 feet. All just shocking to the eye if you were watching. One went into the triple deck Coca-Cola corner in right field. But that is not why I want to talk about Juan Soto this week. I want to talk about Juan Soto this week because the following series, they played against the Atlanta Braves. And Braves young superstar Ronald Acuna Jr. And there's been sort of this running conversation in the baseball world. And I can't quite pinpoint on who started it, who facilitates it on a regular basis, whether it's just fan bases on Twitter or whether it's sabermetric people who compare the two or whether it's like more baseball hot takey folks who compare the two and who's better. There's been sort of this running conversation since they came up. Who is the more reliable star? Who would you want on your team? Who would you want to build around for the future? And I think that's like, in a vacuum, that kind of conversation is fine. I think you would agree with that, right? Yes, I agree. In a vacuum, it's fine. In the way that it actually plays out, I, I am bothered. I'm a little bothered by it, Alex. Because Juan Soto is obviously this very, he's like very reliable, very fundamental. He has a great hit tool. And even though he's not a great fielder, he, he's very hard to strike out. He takes a lot of walks. You can project his skill to remain consistent for the future. And then Ronald Acuna is more quote-unquote electric. He's raw. He's got all of the talent in the world, but sometimes he strikes out a lot. Sometimes he pimps home runs that actually don't go over the fence. And he's a little bit more of a quote-unquote wild card. And that is how the discourse plays out between these two. Among the fan bases, you know, it's Braves Nats, they're rivals, they're battling for the NLE's title basically every year at this point now because the Mets and Phillies and Marlins are an embarrassment. But the way that it plays out among those two fan bases is like, oh, Acuna could never, or Soto, Soto could never steal this many bases, or he's not, he could never make this play in center field. And and then 
Nats fans come back and they're like, Acuna struck out 30 times this year already, blah, 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 blah. And I just want to say, maybe I should have saved this for my sapping of baseball joy this week, but I feel like it is a little bit longer of a conversation and a little bit longer of a personal rant from me. I think it's bullshit the way that we've packaged these two young stars together and pitted them against each other diametrically. Because like the Braves and Nets are not always going to be good at the same time for the rest of these two's career. And it doesn't have to be this big rivalry. And it doesn't have to be this thing that we do in baseball all the time where it's a culture war about who you would rather build your team around for the next 10 years. They're both really incredible players. They're both different. And we don't need to pretend like Soto is the more respectable version of Acuna. Or Acuna is the trendier, cooler version of Soto. They're just both great. And they both are going to put up like 10 war seasons multiple times in their careers. Am I insane for getting this mad about this? No. I, and frankly, I want to hear the, the conversation about, you know, Trey Turner or Dansby Swanson. You know, like, why don't we talk about those guys, right? I, I say it somewhat ironically, but genuinely, both these teams have very good star players. And I think you're right that to kind of dilute them down to these like two young, fiery Latin American baseball players who are like dueling off against each other is like, yeah, you can enjoy both. The two aren't mutually exclusive. No. Like they are, they are stars of their respective teams. And there are obviously rivalries that are going to exist. And I think that's okay. And I think that's healthy for the sport, honestly. And, and I don't hate that there are conversations about this sort of thing, right? Because we, we always talk about how baseball is so regionally siloed. Um, and so even within division, I think it's more than healthy to be like, you know, two stars who are like facing off against each other, but they seem more intent on kind of being like, oh, well, he needs to take it down or not. You know, like Acuna, like a little too rough around the edges. Like, and that's just, uh, we don't need that. It's not helping anyone. There's a way to lose the thread on this, on our conversations about individuality. And I think that's what's happening here. I think when, when talking about a player's individuality, you, you should frame it as this is what there is to like about this player. What's going on here is that they're talking about Acuna's individuality and the, the baseball world is like weaponizing it against him, using it as a reason to dislike him. And the same thing with Soto when he does his shuffle. And there was, a, there was a play where he did his shuffle on a take that the umpire then rung him up on. And everyone was like ready to be like, haha, this, this smug young 21-year-old doing his little shuffles and the umpire rung him up. Like should have swung at that one, you know? And it's like, we don't need to, we don't need to do that. That is a good thing that he does. Acuna stealing bases and and sometimes pimping home runs even though they don't go out. It's ultimately, in, in the long run, a good thing. It's not a good thing on that individual play when he only got a single off the, the, the top of the wall. But if it goes over the fence and he does that celebration, good for the game. I wish there was more positivity among the young stars of baseball, even if those stars are not on your team. Like I can tweet lovingly about Acuna and Soto and before Bryce Harper was retweeting the president I could do that about Bryce Harper there are actual reasons to dislike some young flashy outfielders in the NL East 
Save your energy for this. <laughs> yes. Well said. Okay. I'll get off my soapbox for a second. Do you want to do three up, three down? Of course. You kick us off this week. Let's start with our downs. All right. Uh, first down for me, uh, Anthony Bass, reliever for the Toronto slash Buffalo Blue Jays. Just posting a pic of himself wearing a shirt that says Homeless Jays with a Blue Jay um, drawn like a, a stereotypical uh, homeless person might look like with a little like, you know, bag on a stick over its shoulder and he's got some torn clothes and and we just don't need to do this. That's just, it's unnecessary. Someone tweeted at me and was like, oh, it's a joke. Why don't you just like lighten up and have fun? And I'm like, where's the punchline? Yep. What's sorry? I didn't see that and go, ha you guys, you Ha-ha. kids having a good time. Among the biggest humanitarian crisis in the United States history. Ha tight. Ha. Millions of people facing eviction. Pause for laugh. Sick. <laughs> oh, oh, man. I get it. There's a million ways to make light of the Blue Jays situation. I guess, even though when you zoom out a little bit, it's incredibly bleak, the reason that they don't have a home ballpark. But still, if you want to poke fun at yourselves about it, fine. Taking cheap shots at homeless people, not not fine. That's a, that's a down from me, dog. Great one. How do you let that happen? I mean, if you're the Blue Jays, I don't know if the Blue Jays made the t-shirts or if our man just went out on his own and was like, I need this t-shirt. It was like teespring.com. Let's go. Let's start a fucking war with Teespring, by the way. <laughs> Taking down our fucking t-shirts. God, I know. Let's get them, Alex. We have, we have, we have beef. Let's, um, let's sick our millions of listeners on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. What is, uh, what's first down for you this week? Virtual fans. Mm. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about this in three up, three down at all this year. We've talked about it in general. We talked about it with Craig Goldstein. But this week specifically, the Fox broadcast sticking to the virtual fans idea. And then the judges chambers thing during the Yankees game where they had the virtual fans put up a sign that said, get well for Aaron Judge, who was out that that game with an injury. He's now on the 10 day IL. What are they doing, dude? But it's just so dystopian. It's so dystopian. And I don't know who needs who from the Fox executive C-suite needs a slap in the face to come back to reality that this is a weird thing to do in a time when everybody is experiencing the world in a strange way to add this uncanny valley bullshit into our lives. I'm not actually this mad about it, but I, I am like a little bit fired up about how strange this is. And how it's like how, how how disconnected the people who are putting TV on my baseball screen are from my brain, <laughs> or like generic baseball fan X's brain. Yeah, it's alarming. It just, it just looks silly. I'm sorry, and it doesn't appear on the replays, which makes it look doubly silly. You know, like I've never been playing MLB the Show and been like, you know what, I want to see more of the fans. I, it's extremely funny when they do like the crowd pan shots and all the fans are just kind of like standing up with their arms hanging limply at their sides and they're just kind of like rocking back and forth. And I'm like, hell yeah. I, I love, 
I love going to the baseball game and just standing there and then throwing both my arms up in the air and then throwing them back down <laughs> and then standing there and just chilling just at the baseball game with my bros. Do you think they charge the virtual fans $15 for a hot dog? I'm sure they do. <laughs> MLB is like, it has to be time period accurate. They're like Paul Thomas Anderson making a <laughs> period piece. <laughs> okay, what's next for you? Uh, well, it's funny that you mentioned fans because uh, there's some baseball teams that want to bring fans back to baseball this year. Honestly, more power to them. You know, kill as many people as possible. The Cincinnati Reds have submitted a plan to both the state of Ohio and Major League Baseball to bring fans back. Maybe at some point in September. Just don't talk to the players because they have an outbreak. <laughs> yes, exactly. The Cubs have publicly discussed uh, their desire to do that as well. There are already um, some places that you can watch Cubs games in their like, yeah, bleacher esque. Yeah, exactly. Bad idea. This is just thumbs down from me. We don't need to do this. We're still, I don't know if any of you have noticed, we're still in the middle of a pandemic. And there are outbreaks on baseball teams as we speak. Alex, epidemiologist and virologist that you are, Alex Baisley, MD. If you had to ballpark a vaccine, when would you say? You just have to bet on it. When would Alex Paisley say we're going to get a vaccine? I'm going to go March 2021. Book it. Nice. Like early March or late March? <laughs> you want me to pinpoint a day? I'm just trying I'm to figure go... out for my own birthday. Now we're, we're beyond the bit. I just want to know for myself. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go March 13th. Cool. So I'm not going to get it until like July 2022 then? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's move on. Yes. The next down for me, New York Mets team sale discourse. I mean, look, I could put this on every week, but there was one specific article from this week on August 11th in the New York Post, written by Josh Cosman and Thornton McInerney. Those are names. No shame to them. They don't write headlines. They probably get assigned stories like this all the time. They have to write them all the time. But the headline is Mets Shaky finances could help determine impending sale. Dude, here's why this takes away my baseball joy. Shaky finances? What? They're just a billion dollar, several billion dollar corporation who's manipulating their leverage debt to make it seem like they have shaky finances so that they continue to profit, so that the owners can continue to profit in a privatized way so they don't have to give money back to the employees or to the players who are also also happen to be employees. And so the Wilpons can like recoup their debt from the Madoff scandal. I know we've talked about this like a trillion times, but the whole discourse around the Mets sale right now and the fact that like I have to have a fucking MBA in American capitalism to understand how the Mets finance works and I have to know about this all the time because it might affect who the Mets whether the Mets will sign JT Real Muto next year. It's just, just New York Mets, I love you, but you're bringing me down. <laughs> the thing is, what does shaky finances mean for yeah. literally any baseball team? Baseball as a business, if you're an owner, that shit's booming right now. If you know how to handle your no, money, Alex, right? Alex, 
Didn't you hear in the offseason when they said they were going to lose so much money this year? Oh. You I, don't remember that? Okay, I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah. I, every owner's in the red right now. I'd love if you would retract that statement so we don't get sued for libel. Okay, what's next for you? Uh, last on my list. And I promise it's the last time we talk about the Reds unless they're on your list as well. But we have to bring up the fact that uh, Trevor Bauer is a million percent just going to vlog the apocalypse. <laughs> I I really... I th- We try to get away from, from talking about him. Yeah, you had to put two quarters in the Trevor Bauer before 45-minute jar this week. Yeah, I know. I... <sighs> And I'm sorry I have to read a tweet of his, but he said, if y'all want to watch what it's like to be on a team that's staring a potential COVID-19 outbreak square in the face, at Watch Momentum's got you. I'm vlogging the whole thing. So be sure to subscribe to their YouTube channel wait, wait, so you wait, don't wait, miss wait, any... Wait, 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 oh. wait, 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 wait. You had a Trevor Bauer voice once upon a time on this podcast. And the no. audacity for you to come on here and read a whole Trevor Bauer tweet and not even give the listeners the voice that they want and need. I just, it's just the, but it's it's the Ben Shapiro voice. Just the last sentence. Is, just right? do the last like sentence. Same in the energy. Voice. Do the last sentence in the voice. I'm, <laughs> I'm vlogging the whole thing. So be sure to just subscribe to their YouTube channel so you don't miss any of the fun, panic, terror. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's it. That's the one. Just going out this with is... my bros to get some COVID so we can get more people to listen to our podcast. <laughs> Just give me one serving of COVID, please. Oh, God, we'll be Mike rich Nishok in a month. Is like lying on a hospital bed, and Trevor Bowers like standing next to him, like holding the camera, and is like, "Yo, so so Mike, how are those lungs feeling, bro? Like, what's up, YouTube? Hey, I'm here with Mike Mustakas, who's uh, who's in the emergency room right now and has an IV in his arm. Mike, how you feeling, buddy? Is this really the content we're craving in 2020? Mike, you want to catch my long toss, bro? Yo, you know, Trevor Bauer is definitely one of those dudes. This is a sidebar. Definitely one of those dudes who pulls his mask down to talk and then pulls it back up when he's not talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's like all based on empirical evidence and science in his life. He lives his life based on empirical evidence and science. Oh, this is dumb. This is. Yeah. I, you want to talk things sapping my joy? Trevor Bauer vlogging a COVID outbreak. One day we are going to free ourselves from feeling like we need to comment on this shit. But today is not that day. Yeah. Okay. Last for you. <laughs> this is insane. I can't believe I put this on this list. All right. Ross Stripling's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm intrigued. Because, you know, Joe Kelly went on Ross Stripling's podcast. There was a lot of choice quotes in there. Mm-hmm. Not even what I care. Not even what I'm mad about. Whatever, Joe Kelly, yeah. you want to go in there. You want to use kind of misogynistic language to talk about the Astros. You do you, Joe Kelly. Like... As Alex said last week, probably not a good hang. Probably not a good dude. That's fine. What I'm mad about is the notion that every baseball player feels like they just need to be like a finance bro. It's so joyless for me to just listen to people write stories about Ross Stripling's portfolio of investments and his stockbroker license. Why does everybody have a portfolio? Should we have portfolios? <laughs> it's the whole thing that like it's the same thing with A-Rod. Where like the most interesting thing that a baseball player could ever do is like buy an apartment complex and be a landlord. 
Yeah. I mean, well, this is what we have said makes a successful, interesting person for the last century of modern capitalism is like, you know how to handle your money. You know your way around the stock market. Yeah. You know, you know how to short sell some shit. Yes. Like that's, that's what we think is cool. Somehow Ross Stripling is like one of the most present media personalities in all of baseball. Like he's like one of eight baseball players, current baseball players who have a podcast. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I don't know about the other guys who have one, but like he's one of them and people talk about it and write about it all the time. And it, it bubbles up on baseball Twitter discourse all of the time. And in reality, all this dude is doing is like trading Forex or like fucking dairy futures. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't care about stocks. I don't care about stocks. Yeah. You know what I go I, to baseball for? Not to hear about fucking capitalism. Except I don't know why <laughs> we've made this fucking baseball podcast about capitalism. Like, I don't go to baseball to hear about stocks. I just don't. I don't want to know about stocks. I don't want to know about financial portfolios. This is, once again, we're like, more personality from baseball players. Baseball players should be more public-facing. And then they're like, bro, homeless people. Am I fucking right? Anyway, let's talk about my portfolio. Like, we asked for this. This is what we get. Sorry. I just shorted the bread market in Indonesia. (laughs) Time to make fun of homeless people. All right. Bro, want to come want to come do some price fixing with me? <laughs> okay, you want to talk about our baseball joy for the week? <laughs> um, yes, I do. Mookie Betts. Yeah. Mookie Betts. Oh no, I put this on my list also. That's okay. Well, I kind of thought that you might and so we can just kind of we can do this one together because it's a shared love. This man this man, how does it feel to be a Red Sox fan right now? Like, what are you just Bad. just sitting in last place, enjoying your financial flexibility or whatever the fuck it was? Why ever they financial flexibility? Him? So yeah. much financial flexibility that they can't even call up one of their minor leaguers because he makes too much money. <laughs> Glad you got all that financial flexibility from yeah. trading away Mookie Betts and David Price. Tied for the most three home run games. In Major League Baseball history. Mookie fucking bets. Los Angeles Dodger. The one and only. He's a superstar. Just face absolute. Of base, face of baseball? Face of baseball. Like, face of baseball. Like, I think if this was a normal year, I think more people would be freaking out about Mookie Betts being on the Dodgers. Yes. And, like, the Dodgers ticket prices going insane and them having a chance to win 120 games and all... Not actually, but all of this stuff that in a normal year would do more for Mookie Betts in the national consciousness. Aside from that, if you're a baseball fan and you're a night owl like Alex or a West Coaster like me or a West Coast night owl like me, <laughs> you got it. You got to watch all the Dodgers games and especially when they're playing in the Padres. Mookie is unbelievable right now. Even his post-game press conferences and that's what I have here on my list specifically. Mookie's calm demeanor. Like, he just seems like a a very cool hang. Just really fun to be around. Never alienating, even though he's Mookie Betts, second best baseball player alive. And he just seems like a good guy. It's like, hang around, get a drink, maybe a, maybe a little cocktail, you know? He's got 
He's very. What is, what is Mookie Betts' cocktail of choice? What do you think? Hmm. Thanks for asking. Of course. <laughs> Mojito. I like that. Probably not though. I mean, it's probably something darker. I feel like athletes like to drink dark liquor. Yeah, maybe like a Manhattan. Yeah. No. No. What if it's boring? I'm worried now. What if it's like <laughs> rum and coke? <laughs> yeah, she's a vodka soda. <laughs> anyway. Um, I feel like he's willing to take a, a recommendation from the waiter for a house cocktail. Yeah. I, I'd like to think that M- Mookie Betts respects service workers, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's true or not, but I just kind of really hope he does, you know? I could see him going with a G&T, like me. Ooh. I love a G&T. Yeah. You think he's a Tanqueray or Hendrix guy? <laughs> I don't even know what either of those things are. So. <laughs> okay. Um... No, I I wrote down Mookie Betts' calm demeanor, but also folded into that is just how like he always looks really cool. Like he's always wearing long sleeves under his jersey, which is such a look. By the way, not enough players do that in post game or during the game. And he's got his chain hanging out, and I and I also, also I also really like his voice and his looks. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah, good looking guy. Also wears high socks, which like you you go up like twenty percent in my power rankings. Of baseball players for for high socks alone. Yeah. Sorry, not sorry. Did you see Dom Smith? Dom wears high socks too. Yeah. But he slid in the outfield and it pulled his pant leg up and exposed his whole knee and like upper calf and thigh. Wow. That's incredibly relatable little league shit right there. Yeah. But like if you're a major league baseball player, don't you like tie it to the stirrups? Like aren't you? (laughs) There's supposed to be a like more legitimate method than just like pulling the pant down to above the sock. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I fucking respect it, man. Dom Smith, the energy we need. Love Dom. Okay, so I've gone now too then. So we're back to you. What's your second up? Sure. Um, Second up, this is a brief one, but uh, LeBron James teaming up with uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers to make Dodger Stadium a a polling site this November. Are you ever going to talk about a flyover team, Alex? No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yeah, this is great. <laughs> no, we spent like 15 minutes talking about the Reds today. That's the that's the representation they get for August. Um, this is cool. This is just like a a good thing, generally speaking. It's a great venue. There is open air. There are already like, in theory, places that that sort of thing that polling sites can exist on the concourse. Uh, I, I don't have a lot to, more to add about that, but this is cool. It's good of the Dodgers and it's good of LeBron James. And it's just a generally smart thing to do. I wonder if, uh, if they can sort and deliver mail as well. If anyone can do it, it's LeBron. That's <laughs> probably true. I have to give a shout out to Phoebe here who said 2020, the year that Bobby Wagner went to Dodger stadium twice, neither time to see a baseball game. Once to get COVID tested, once to vote. <laughs> Brutal year. Yeah. Brutal extremely year. tough year. Yeah. But good for LeBron. Good for the Dodgers. Maybe well, Mookie. Maybe can... Mookie will be there. Maybe I can hang. You can say Mookie. Yeah. Mookie. Yeah. Tanker Air Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Next for you. Our friend Zach Granke intentionally tipping his pitches. He's a fan, man. He's a fan. <laughs> Yeah. Even if he very likely doesn't know that we exist and never will. Anybody who tips pitches, unintentionally or intentionally, 
is putting our name out there in the world. And for that, we're appreciative. Zach Greinke, we have loved you for a very long time, and we continue to love you because of this. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Greinke had a mix-up with his catcher, and so he just decided he was going to put up two fingers, signaling breaking ball, and then throw a breaking ball, and he struck out the batter. Love Zach Greinke. What a weird, weird figure in the annals of baseball history who has brought us a lot of joy and a lot of weirdness and somehow only throws 86 miles an hour now, but is still a serviceable major league pitcher. It's still like a really has not given up a home run yet this year. Like is still good for some reason. Somehow we, we deserve that at the very least. I think Zach Greinke turning Maybe into, we don't deserve Zach Greinke. No, we don't deserve Zach Greinke at all. We deserve Trevor Bauer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> arguing with Scott Boris on Twitter. Uh, I think, Alex, we've earned Zach Greinke becoming Jamie Moyer and having 10 more years to pitch in this league. Okay, what's next for you? Um, last for me is uh, two things that I will turn into one thing, and that is, uh, broadly speaking, the Oakland Athletics, who are again extremely good. They were my, they were my up last week. And, uh, and they are here again because they somehow managed to, to top themselves. And the shit just feels magical at a certain point, man. When you just keep coming back in the wow. ninth inning, I'm kind of like, all right, there's something special going on here. And it's kind of, it's really shitty to think it's too bad this season doesn't count for jack shit. Cause this team's real fun. I'll loan That's, you out the uh, phrase yeah. you gotta believe this year if you want. I'll loan it out to you because we don't need it this year. Because you guys are to use it. I don't believe in anything. <laughs> um, you know what I believe more in? Sp- Steven Matt's giving up 40 home runs in a 60-game season. <laughs> uh, more specifically on the Oakland days, and we actually recorded last weekend's podcast d- directly before there was, a, uh, there was a brawl between the Oakland days and the Houston Astros. And that doesn't bring me a lot of joy because that doesn't feel like a very good idea, guys. Um, Ramon Laureano, obviously, uh, charging the the Astros bench, um, bench coach Alex Cintron. However, there was one good thing to come out of that, and that was Ramon Laureano apologizing afterwards because, quote, "I regret charging him because he's a loser." God got his ass. <laughs> I, you are not worth my time. You aren't worth my energy. The funniest part of this to me was Rob Manfred suspending Centrone for 20 games because he realized he probably should have been suspended for at least half the year for the whole sign-stealing thing. Because <laughs> he's their hitting coach. <laughs> Manfred How was is like, it? who is Alex Centrone? Yeah. Who? Astros? Oh, that's... Oh, the one in Houston. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's suspend it for 20 oh, okay. games. 20 games. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just... <laughs> Astros are chaotic this year. There's no other way to justify it. But they're mediocre, so I'm into it. Astros, let's do an alignment chart. Chaotic evil, Astros. Chaotic good. Ramon Laureano? Ramon Laureano. Are you going to go through all nine? <laughs> <laughs> let's not go through all nine. But that's the this, that, that's this situation. Chaotic good, Ramon Laureano. Chaotic evil, Astros. Is there a neutral here? Bob Melvin. He's always neutral. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we love it. Okay, bring us home. I would like to play a little audio clip from Steven Strasburg getting ejected from the New York Mets versus Washington Nationals game. 2-2 coming. And 
and it's mm. just a little low, full count. Well, look at Vaughn. You see him so, boy, he's hot. Same with the catcher. He's turning around like, where was that pitch? <laughs> look at that. He make, he make pitches with two strikes. Oh, Rabbit. Davey Martinez barking oh. from the dugout. Got Rabbit ears. Well, you can hear everything now, right? Carlos Torres. Oh, oh, and he throws him out. Who'd he throw? Well, well, Davey was barking at him. I don't know if he got Davey or somebody else. And then you can't go out and argue, right? No, you're not supposed to. Oh, oh, we heard that. Yep. Sorry, folks. Sorry, FCC. Oh, oh, sounds of the game sponsored by. We want to know who's got thrown out. Who, who's got who got. Tossed. I don't think it was the manager. It was someone down the bench. Well, usually it's the hitting coach if it's not the manager, and that would be Kevin Long or Pat Ressler. Or pitching coach. You are brutal. That's what I heard. Is that what you heard? <laughs> yes. I, I, I How heard. old are you? <laughs> <laughs> I heard I heard other stuff, but we can't we can't repeat it. It's like uh, oh. it's Steven Strasburg ah. apparently who got ejected, and he was sitting in the stands. When's the last time a this player is, sitting in the stands got ejected from a game? This is amazing. Where's he supposed to go now? <laughs> and he's heading for the exits. That that he just relatable king yelling about balls and strikes from the 100 level seats. It's not. I don't have to say very much about this. I hope that listeners will understand why I love this very much. The clip that you just heard was from the SNY broadcast booth. A fantastic broadcast booth. Maybe the best in all of sports. Probably the best in all of baseball. And this is the type of shit that you watch for in a pandemic with no fans. You catch a hot mic. You catch Steven Strasburg. Very level-headed, normal dude. Getting ejected for arguing balls and strikes when he's not even in uniform. My my little league father, Steven Strasburg, thank you. <laughs> I love it. I you you gotta respect it at a at a certain point. Baseball players, they're just like us. Any other tweets that I should ask you to explain on the podcast this week? I feel like we've done a lot of reading of tweets. I mean, we usually do, but there were like maybe six or seven. We gotta, we gotta pull them together and just create like a little, little listicle for for our reader, for yeah. our listeners. A BuzzFeed list, yeah. A moment on Twitter, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We we need to just create a a thread of those so we don't individually have to read each one off on the podcast each week. Should be like, this is what you need to know. I don't think anybody needs that. This yeah, is what you need to know. Either. All right, Michael Barbaro. Here's what else you need to know from tipping pitches this week. Uh, no, I'm Michael Barbaro. Keep it going. You're listening to the Daily. Worst this. to listen to on a podcast: someone impersonating Michael Barbaro or someone impersonating Ben Shapiro and/or Trevor Bauer. Uh, I feel like so many podcasts have done the Michael Barbaro impersonation bit. Yeah, including podcasts that I produce and now a podcast that I host. Let's retire that. Let's retire that. Yeah, I I don't want to listen to Michael Barbaro or anyone impersonating him. <laughs> Alex Baisley slams the daily. Uh, <laughs> it's bad. It's bad. <laughs> Sorry. All right. Anyway, let's wrap this up. <laughs> let's end this thing. Uh, thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed this week's episode. If you would like to reach out to us, it's tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. Tipping underscore pitches on Twitter. Um, if you want to try to justify Alex Baisley's Ben Shapiro Gabe Kapler take 
It's AM. What do you mean justify it? It's real. <laughs> it's it's there's no justification needed. Okay. If there's another political figure that you think is <laughs> is like another manager in baseball, please tweet it at Alex Baisley, A underscore Baisley. <laughs> I don't need to see this. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week. Hello, everybody. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. So we'll see you next week. See ya!